Welcome to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, sponsored by EarthX, the world's largest environmental experience, and also sponsored by Natural Awakenings Magazine. Live your healthiest life on a healthier planet. Now here's your host, Bernice Butler. Welcome to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio today. We're now in our fourth season, and we remain just as excited as ever to continue to help you explore that unbreakable relationship between your health and the health of the planet. Here, we look at the hottest topics related to our environment and its sustainability and how they affect your health and wellness. Here are issues like climate change, plastic pollution, extreme weather events, and others will meet up with everyday impacts like allergies and asthma, digestive issues and gut health, cancers, lung and heart issues, and more. So listen today as we continue our theme on cities, built environment, and infrastructure. And today we're going to focus in on indoor environment, how it gets that way, and how it affects your health and well-being. So have you ever wondered why you feel tired or sickly while perhaps inside of some specific building? Well, the answer may lie in the indoor environment in which you're, you're operating. However, many of us may not be aware of the factors that contribute to the quality of our indoor environment and how they affect our health. The indoor environment or air quality is a complex system that can impact very significantly your health and well-being. And by understanding how it gets that way and how it affects you, then you can take steps to improve it for yourself and others. And, of course, it helps all of us to lead a healthier and happier life. So today we're going to explore some of the various factors that indeed influence indoor air quality. Now, the quality of our indoor environment affects our health, as we mentioned. It affects our well-being, and it also affects our productivity, and it impacts our risk for many other diseases that may be increased by indoor air pollutants, by surface contamination with toxins and microbes, and by contact among the people at home, at work, in transportation, and in many other public and private indoor settings. Lately, shifting emphasis has led to a broadening focus on prevention. But of course, first, we the people must understand the scope and the depth of our prevention needs. Now, our current recognition of the importance of the built environment to our health came when measurements of levels of specific pollutants were first made in indoor air and the major contributions of indoor air exposures to total personal exposures to air pollution were recognized. And this recognition was broadened by such dramatic problems as mobile homes that could not be occupied because of uh, extremely high levels of formaldehyde from building materials, the finding of homes with radon levels as high as those in underground uranium mines, and the appearance of a new clinical syndrome often referred to as sick building syndrome. And all of this was linked to our building environments. Now, some of the first measurements of indoor air pollutants were made in the, in the 60s. And then in 1965, for example, scientists measured nitrogen oxide levels in Dutch homes, finding that this outdoor air pollutant was present at very high levels in homes with gas-fired combustion devices. 
Some of the initial measurements of tobacco smoke components were made in the 1970s. And then asbestos fibers were found in indoor air in public buildings and schools in the late 1970s and the early 1980s. And then radon has been measured in indoor air as early as the 1950s, but it gained prominence as large numbers of measurements were taken in the 1970s and the 1980s, and homes were found with dramatically high concentrations. The problem of lead paint and lead contaminated surface dust in inner city homes was recognized in the 1950s and the 1960s. And of course, all of that just leads me to wonder, you know, what's lurking around in there or out there now that we still don't know about yet because we've not learned how to measure it. Now, it is increasingly apparent that indoor environments are unique and that they contain significant exposures that can affect the health of its occupants. The exposures are the result of complex interactions between the structure, between building systems, its furnishings, the outdoor environment, and the building occupants themselves and the activities they are engaged in. As people spend more time indoors, the opportunities increase for significant health effects resulting from these exposures. As well, climate change has the potential to affect the indoor environment because conditions inside buildings are influenced by conditions outside of them. Indoor environments contribute significantly to total human exposure to air pollutants, contaminants, and illnesses such as COVID and other diseases as people spend most of their time indoors. People spend really about 90% of our time in shelters of some sort, or in today's words, in buildings or offices or, or, or something else similar. We sleep, eat, work, relax, exercise, play, and indeed we are born and die in these buildings. In fact, we live within walls. Therefore, at a very fundamental level, indoor environment is crucial for our health and safety. Indoor air quality is influenced by penetrating outdoor air, by specific indoor air pollution sources, and as we mentioned, interaction between buildings and occupants. And some pollutants can be two to five-fold more concentrated inside than outside buildings. So the emphasis on the built environment indicates a shift toward a more holistic approach to indoor environments and the public's health. A shift consistent with the broadening recognition of the multiple levels of environmental factors from the personal to the global that indeed determine our health. So this is a lot, but here today to help us explore and unpack this are some very smart people and we're hoping we know that today they're gonna make us smart like them. Today we have with us Allison Mears. Allison is an architect. She is an associate professor of architecture. She's co-founder and director of the Healthy Materials Lab at the Parsons School of Design in New York City. Allison is co-principal investigator of the Healthy Affordable Materials Project, uh, which is a multi-year grant funded by the JPC Foundation. And this project is a coalition of four organizations who work together to incorporate human health as a criteria when evaluating building products to improve the interior environments. Allison focuses her research on design strategies that disrupt the building supply uh, chain to incorporate human health as a criteria 
for evaluating building products. Allison is currently a partner in her own architectural practice as well. Welcome, Allison, and did I get all of that right? You've got that all right, except for the foundation that funds our, our, our projects, um, and that's the JPB Foundation. But JPC thank you Foundation. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We're so glad that you could join us. Our other thank guests you. are Dr. Stephanie Carter and Dr. Michael Byersmith. Now, Stephanie is board certified in internal medicine, and she currently practices internal medicine and environmental medicine. Stephanie has 16 years plus of experience working with the world-renowned environmental medicine physician, Dr. William Ray, uh, who was here in Dallas. Stephanie has extensive experience with electromagnetic sensitivity, and she is certified by the American Academy of Environmental Medicine as an expert in mold and myotoxin diagnosis and treatment. Stephanie has built her own eco-friendly, low-electromagnetic field home, consulting with other well-known experts, and she has built that here in the North Texas region. Stephanie is a frequent contributor to our show, and Stephanie is now an associate there in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, uh, with Dr. Michael Byersmith. And Michael is the founder and medical director of Deeper Healing Medical Wellness Center, where people travel in from all over the country to receive unique cutting-edge treatments. Michael is a physician who has honed his skills over time to do deep medical detective work, and he offers treatments and programs that work to heal the body naturally. Michael is a member and past president of the American College for the Advancement in Medicine, And he is an opinion leader in functional and environmental medicine and recognized nationally as an expert in uh, treatment of complex diseases. Welcome, Michael. And did I get all of that right? You did, indeed. Pleasure to be here. So we only have about a minute to go before we go to break. So I'm going to start, though, with you, uh, Allison, and then we'll complete, probably conclude with you on the other side of the break. So why should people care about the types of materials used in indoor environments, and how do they impact human health and well-being? Yes, Bernice. I mean, I think it's not common, commonly understood that there are uh, a host of toxic synthetic chemicals in common building products, in the paints that we use on our walls, on the floors that we use on our in our in our rooms, um, in just the very ordinary things we make our buildings from, and that. Um, that we use to finish our interiors. And so we should be aware of that and be conscious of trying to make a change where we can. So what are some of the, again, just a few minutes before break, what are some of the most important factors to consider when designing materials for indoor environments that promote health and well-being? And are these things regulated? They're not regulated. Uh, they're, they're mostly unregulated. We have, I think, uh, 85,000, over 85,000 chemicals in the U.S. that aren't regulated. But, but the things to consider when you're renovating your baby's room or you're thinking about adding an addition to your home is really to consider um, all of the different products that are going to be installed in the building in the same way that you might consider the ingredients you put into the, your dinner this evening and really try to exclude the more to- toxic of these chemicals that are commonly found. And you can do that by looking to... Um, transparency, you know, really understanding what ingredients are in those products and looking to reputable sources, reputable lists of products that you could look to also for advice. Indeed. Thank you for that, Allison. And we're going to go to break now and we'll be right back on the other side 
uh, with Allison Mears, with the Parsons uh, Material Lab, and with Stephanie McCarter and Michael Byerschmidt. Thank you. We'll be right back. We want to give a shout out now to our sponsors. That is Natural Awakenings, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex Magazine, the Green, Healthy, and Sustainable Living Authority for the DFW Metroplex and North Texas communities. Print issues of Natural Awakenings can be found in all HEB supermarkets, natural grocers, Central Market, Sunflower Shops, and many, many other locations, as well as available free for download online at nadallas.com. Check them out. Our other sponsor is North Haven Gardens, serving the Metroplex since 1951, the most respected horticultural establishment in North Texas, offering gardening and plant education, concierge services, DYI classes, gifts, and more. Check them out at nhg.com. And our other sponsor is Lynn Dental Care, practicing dentistry for over 38 years with a holistic approach, looking at the whole body and non-mercury. Specializing in periodontics, Dr. Lynn is board certified by the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Check them out at lynndentalcare.com. Thank you, sponsors. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. To today's show on our May theme of cities, built environment, and infrastructure. And today we're focusing in on the indoor environment, how it gets that way, and how it affects your health and well-being. And we are back with Dr. Stephanie McCarter and Dr. Michael Byersmith with Deeper Healing, as well as Allison Mears with the Parsons Lab. And again, thank you all so much for being with us today. Before the break, Allison, you were talking to us a little bit about types of materials used in indoor environment, as well as some of the important factors to consider. What jumped out at me, though, <laughs> that I want to unpack a little bit more was the fact that this is not regulated. Yet, from what I can see, read about, and understand, it is well known that a lot of these materials in our home are, are causing pollution and doing off-gassing and creating health, unhealthy environments. What's up with that? It's well known, what but is, what is up with that? Yeah, no, it's it's true, and I think you know we've we've I, I used the analogy before about food, and I think we all understand much more deeply the impact of you know um, the way we farm and the food that we eat on our bodies. That that's a clear kind of correlation between those two things. But I think you know I think there's a, a general concern about our indoor um, the quality of our indoor environments but not necessarily an understanding of where those pollutants come from in our homes. Um, and I think that lack of awareness is problematic for us, obviously, because we're all exposed. But it's symptomatic of that lack of regulation. We often say it would be so great if we didn't have to worry about these things, if there were regulations in place so that we could assume that our homes were, in fact, safe places. But because of that lack of regulation and because of the, of the pervasive um, and ubiquitous use of, of what our partner, the Green Science Policy Institute, speaks of as these six classes of really problematic chemicals, um, we are exposed in our everyday lives to any number of, of different chemicals that can harm ourselves and our families. And so, you know, in those six classes, uh, Arlene Blum, who's the head of that organization, talks about 
things like PFASs that I think everyone who has an environmental interest understands is pervasive in our drinking water, for example. But it's also the coating that you'll find on your couch in your living room if it's stain resistant. It's in your carpet, similarly, if it's stain resistant. It's in that Teflon pan if you're still using a non-stick pan at home. So those are things to be uh, wary of. We often think of you know, stain resistance as something that will make our lives easier. But in this case, it introduces into our homes a chemical that does have long-term impacts of us. And there are other instances. Of Indeed. I think people are probably more aware of the PFAS because mm-hmm. of plastic pollution and all of that. But but for me, a serious concern is the, the coating that's on your cloth-type furniture when you buy it. I have to think, just even, like, I just, I, I bought a, a nice piece of wooden furniture. And it was really cool to smell the newness of it. But given that I talk to smart people like y'all all the time, <laughs> I knew that because I was smelling it, there was probably an issue. And that is my concern. Most of us... We, we feel like we depend upon the government or some regu- regulating agencies to protect us. And that is simply not being done with a lot of these materials that we sit on, walk on, and cook on every day. That's true. And, and you know, if you think about the sitting on and walking on and, and actually the, the people in your, your home who are most exposed to some of these things, it's often that these chemicals um, uh, are emitted into the air in your house and then they fall down and they bind to the dust that is there. And so if you think about the baby crawling across the carpet, who is then, you know, uh, gathering those particles on their fingers and then mouthing, you know, putting their fingers in their mouth and the toddler who's also sitting on the floor, one of the, the, the pathways of exposure to these chemicals is just through everyday living. And often the most, you know, vulnerable, the children in your home are the ones who are down there on the ground um, actually eating a lot of these chemicals, which is really um, worrying, I think. And you don't even have to, if I may interrupt, I'm sorry, you don't even have to be crawling on the floor. If you imagine, you know, I, I remember as a child watching the sunlight come through the window and seeing all the little particles in the air. Well, those little particles in the air are the dust particles, and those are the ubers that your toxins and chemicals and allergens are taking that from where they live into the, their new workplace in your lungs and your sinuses and your body. So it's, it's you know, dust is probably one of the, is the common denominator for spreading indoor pollution within your own home. Indeed, it's the transport system. One last thing, though, from Allison before we go to, on to talking about the health impacts, too. Allison, of all of the, the, the common major pollutants in the home, how would you rank them? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd focus on the plastics because plastics are pervasive, you know, in our food, in our water, in our environments, um, and then in the products that we use to build our houses and back to your smell beneath a lot of the smell that we smell are the plasticizers and plastics and plastics are having this. And I'm sure our colleagues on the line here will, will speak to this, uh, disrupting our hormones, you know, our endocrine disruptors. So they're fundamentally changing our biology making it more difficult for us to achieve the kind of fertility that we would want, um, disrupting the, the development of, you know, adolescence of, of young adults. And so that pervasive use of plastics in all kinds of different mediums, from the paint we put on our walls to the 
um, coatings on our floors to the, you know, the things that we wrap our food in. Plastics are really the worst offenders in every way, I would say. But what about everybody has furniture? And that's a concern for me. Yeah, I think the flame retardants definitely and upholstered furniture are incredibly problematic. Flame retardants that you also find in insulation. Um, flame retardants um, are a product of an industry that was, you know, wanting to sell uh, um, a lot of chemicals um, and have very little um, impact in terms of reducing the, the spread of, of fires. They're an additive that we don't necessarily need. We can combat uh, fires in our home in, in other kinds of ways. And, and it's such a toxic chemical. Indeed, it's, it, it, it's very to toxic and adds to the unhealthy environment, yet it doesn't even do yeah. very well and what it was uh, <laughs> and why we're exposed Intended. to it. Want to move now, though, to uh, Michael and Stephanie, and talk about what are some of the the most common health problems that are caused by poor indoor air quality. Oh, let's see. Let's start with asthma, allergies, autoimmune disease, uh, not necessarily alphabetical, uh, heart disease, lung disease, cancer, hormone disruption, chemical sensitivity, electrical hypersensitivity. What else we got on the list? Pretty much every health body system is affected. We are seeing a huge increase you know, in food allergy, and that's one of the things that Dr. Ray would talk about, the barrels, and because of the indoor environment, the barrel is filling up faster with people and children, and as we were talking about earlier, the children absorb uh, they have much higher metabolic rate. They absorb things much more, so this is all impacted. Uh, some of the enzyme systems that you need to help your body eliminate them aren't even active until you're a couple of years old, which is why crawling on the carpet for the infant is so potentially catastrophic for their intellectual development. Indeed. And we just have two minutes to go before we need to go to break. But Stephanie, I want to go back for a minute and unpack that uh, because I think it was, it went by kind of fast. But basically you're saying in terms of the barrel, you're saying that a lot of the indoor pollutants or indoor contaminants are informing, pushing, increasing food allergies. So it's affecting, like Dr. B said, it's affecting all these systems, including the immune system and the GI tract, all of it. It's, it's, you know, we don't think about it as all one, everything. There's so many things involved. It's not just one system. And it's usually insidious. So there's like, you know, people don't feel good for a while. They start having fatigue. For instance, they move into an apartment. They just rented. It's freshly painted. It's got new carpet. So their body filled up that barrel extremely quickly. And if they don't have the enzyme mechanisms, like Dr. B just said, then they tend to start feeling really, really sick. The other thing I was going to say just about the enzymes, that one of the common mistakes people have is that our body detoxifies. It really doesn't. It biotransforms. And it takes something your body can't get rid of and turns it into something you can get rid of. But in that three-step process, you can actually go from less toxic to more toxic before your body actually gets around to trying to get rid of it. So you can have an amplification of the bad stuff that happens to you as a result of exposure simply because your body isn't equipped to deal with it. That's amazing. I want to, and we only have a a minute to go, and we'll do this more so on the other side of the break. But for Stephanie and Michael, I want to have you actually walk us through and connect the dots, you know, starting with a pollutant and then walk us through so people can really get a sense of understanding how it happens 
and, and why it happens. Just an example. Uh, but we're going to go to break now, and we'll be right back on the other side with these very smart people who are making us smarter. We'll be back with uh, Allison Mears with the um, Healthy Materials Project of the Parsons School of Design and with Dr. Stephanie McCarter and Dr. Michael Byersmith with Deeper Healing. Thank you all. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. To today's show on cities, built environment, and infrastructure. And today we're focusing in on the indoor environment, how it gets that way and how it affects your health and well-being. And we are back with Dr. Stephanie McCarter and Dr. Michael Byersmith. Uh, coming to us from Deeper Healing in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and with Allison Mears with the Healthy Materials Lab at the Parsons School of Design. Again, thank you all for, for being with us today and helping to us to understand and unpack this very interesting subject that's just really all around us. And I'm finding it's probably an area that the least number of people kind of know about or, or or have information about or are sensitized unless they're like me and they have allergies or unless they have asthma. That is a laboratory right there. So again, thank you all for, for helping to make us uh, smarter. Now, before the break, we were talking with Michael and Stephanie, and I want to just take an example and walk people through it so that they really get a, a, a sense of what's going on. Uh, an example of how exposure to a lot of contaminants and pollutants then causes food allergies. Just any example that you may have dealt with or seen, but again, just connect the dots with people. In terms of specific illnesses, it depends on who you are. Some people are going to be more prone to allergies. Some people are going to be more prone to autoimmune disease. Some people are going to be more prone to rashes or cardiovascular disease or cancer. The whole the common denominator is is that they their exposure to the environmental toxicants and toxins are such that it overwhelms their body. It overflows the rain barrel, as Dr. Ray would have said. And when that happens, it depends on what your vulnerable part is. You know, uh, and it may show up as as allergies or asthma. It could show up as food sensitivity. It could show up as chemical sensitivity, where you can no longer walk down the soap aisle at the grocery store without developing a headache or some nausea or brain fog or just that sense of, I've got to get away from this. And then from there, it's just a, a simple point of you're disrupting your immune system, you're disrupting your hormone regulation, you're disrupting your autonomic nervous system. And so you can get this whole wide range of what doctors would call, ordinary doctors would call a mystery illness. Well, it's no mystery to Dr. Stephanie and I, is you know, it's the environmental contaminants and the pollution that we have to get rid of. And I guess the challenge is many of us or most of us, unless we have issues like me with, with allergies and other people with asthma, unless we have those specific issues that we know because we've been told by uh, some doctor or friend that you're, the environment around you uh, impacts it. But unless we know that, we don't really know in a lot of cases that we're being exposed to these pollutants or contaminants. And I think what you're saying is that we're exposed to them. We're going in, in there, living with them, walking on them and everything every day. And we still don't know it. But at that same time, they are overloading 
our systems internally with all of that bad stuff, and it's going to reflect or come out in some other disease or illness. Essentially, that's exactly correct, and, and it's, it's how it, because not all of us are going to be affected the same way by the same toxin, because it's always about everything. You know, I, I, have, I have three brothers. Uh, they're all in construction, and one was a bricklayer and another heavy equipment operator, and another was a pipe fitter, and they all have evidence of environmental illness and damage, but not to the same degree. One of them died of cancer. Another one just had all his joints had to be replaced because of wear and tear and arthritis and, and autoimmunity. You know, it's and this is all within the same family, same genetic makeup. But, you know, as you all talk, it occurs to me that a missing link in all of that is that if people don't know Michael and Stephanie and maybe some of the people here in Dallas at the uh, Environmental Health Center, if you don't know y'all, then they may never know or ne- may never make the connection. But again, that's why I wanted to, to, to deal with this show is how does it get that way and how it affects your health and well-being. You know, they will go to the doctor and the doctor will say, you have asthma, or you have this or you have that. Boom. Let's treat it or give you some medicine. They may never know and may never connect the dots that it's because of something they're living with, walking on, eating or whatever. Right. Because that's- we're trained in medicine to just fix the symptoms. We're not looking at the cause. We're not looking at root cause of what's causing the symptoms. And so now with environmental medicine, functional medicine, we are getting more doctors educated, but it's also difficult because a lot of these things are not in media. And the World Health Organization, for example, has shown that even last year, this past December, that we had this huge increase in premature deaths from the environment. And it's because of the high incidence of more and more particulate matter, especially in our urban areas. And so none of this is publicized. So it's really important for people, like you said, they, unless they educate themselves, it's very difficult. Yeah. The Lancet, the Journal of the British, the Lancet, the British Journal of the Medical Association for Great Britain published an article in 2018 and, and updated it just a, a year or two ago. One quarter of all worldwide deaths are directly attributable to pollution. 25% of people dying die because of the environment. Well, indeed, and that's part of what we try to do here at Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. In fact, every year we usually have writers or somebody on the Lancet Report on health and environment come on to talk about their, mm-hmm. their report. But I want to go back again to Stephanie and Michael, because it, it seems to me, and you correct me, you're the experts, that probably asthma, COPD, and the respiratory diseases, I don't know if they're more prevalent or if they're the ones to get more attention. But either way, that sounds like because more people know about that, and I suspect because more of us have those issues, that that may be a good starting point or a good place to really send up the flags and, and the alarm. But given that, talk to us about how poor indoor air quality does affect people with those respiratory problems and cause those conditions. Well, you have to worry about, as far as you know, materials, also mold. Um, because all of these things create inflammation. And if people have asthma and respiratory problems, they are having a lot more inflammation in that particular organ. And so if you don't um, get out of that environment and the brain barrel's full, it's like rubbing dirt in a wound. You're never going to, you know, you'll have periods of ups and downs, but then eventually it's going to continue to be a problem and then progress. And then the problem with medicine is we just get more medication. So that we're not really... Dr. B says, you know, we're not really draining the sinking boat. <laughs> we're just adding to it. So Part of the thing is, is uh, again, the boat analogy I like to use with folks is, you know, why are you bailing the boat without paying attention to the leak? If you don't find where you're leaking from, you're just going to need bigger and bigger buckets and more barrels and, and things to try to empty, and you're going to sink anyway. 
And I think that's the challenge is a lot of people don't know because I have bad allergies. I know I, I, I many several years ago I got rid of all and try, and I try never to buy cloth furniture because mm-hmm. dust is one of my big ones. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dust and mold. And the other, there was a colleague of ours in, in Canada that, that uh, had a number of patients who were coming in that had high levels of, of volatile organic compounds, styrene, benzene, toluene, uh, and usually those are associated with, with leaky mufflers. Uh, and he, he goes, hey, you got to get your muffler checked. He goes, doc, I got an electric car. I don't even have a muffler. And when he's trying to figure out where it came from, you know where it was coming from? What? Memory foam mattress. All right. Yep. Foam. Ma- I didn't. I didn't realize that when the foam. Yeah, the memory foam. The Tempur-Pedic was. Uh, hopefully, they don't sue me on that one. But that was. I mean, it, it's published data. Edit that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Just say foam mattresses. Foam mattresses. I have to think. Foam has a lot of plastic stuff in it too. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'd go deeper. And do you know? I mean, Bernice. You know, when we think about plastics, and you've talked about this before, but. When we as architects and designers specify products in the, for the built environment, we do that all the time, right? That's our buying power. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the influence, we have the ability to influence the market. And so when we say, for example, that we don't want added flame retardants to our furniture, we don't want stain resistance on our carpets or our, our upholstered furniture, um, that we really don't want any vinyl in our buildings at all, that can impact the marketplace, you know, and create a demand for other kinds of products. And I think that's also the power of consumers as well, so that you can start to influence the marketplace and have better alternatives when you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or any kind of, um, you know, any anywhere that supplies building products for the home. Once you have a little bit of information, you gain a little bit more, you can, um, you know, start to impact and make change through your actions. And I think that makes us all feel a little bit more powerful. And again, I think a big challenge here is that this is an area (laughs) that just about every consumer is exposed to, but an area from what I'm seeing in my four years of doing the show where there's a lot less information available, or should I say a, a surprisingly lack of information or sensitivity on the part of consumers about the materials in their home, unless they're like me and we have allergy or asthma issues, then you become keenly aware because you're like living with it and you can kind of like tell it. I go, because that's how I, I, I knew to get rid of my cloth furniture. I sit down on the sofa and, well, fell over and kind of nodded off and just woke up sneezing. And Bernice, you, you, you mentioned you touched on a very important point that you comment that you made a mention of early in the, in the broadcast is that we rely on the government to tell us what's toxic and what's not. But it's not the government's responsibility it's, it's the, 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 because the way the law is written, chemical companies don't have to, all they have to do is say, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's presumably safe. We, we've done our, our, our testing, in open quotes, uh, and, and we didn't see any, any problems with the mice in three months. Well, sorry, you know, A, we're not mice, and B, that's not adequate testing. And take BPA for an example. We all know that BPA was removed from the marketplace. However, when BPA was removed, they just said, okay, we'll take BPA out. We'll use BPF. And I'll get, we'll, we'll, we're going to go to break and we will continue this on the other side. We'll come back uh, to Michael because I want to c- complete that conversation. We want to give a, a shout out now, though, to our sponsors. That is Natural Awakenings, Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex Magazine, The Green, Healthy, and Sustainable Living Authority for the DFW Metroplex and North Texas communities. Print issues of Natural Awakenings can be found in all HEB 
markets, natural grocers, central markets, sunflower shops, and many, many other locations, as well as available free for download online at nadallas.com. Our other sponsor is North Haven Gardens, serving the Metroplex since 1951, the most respected horticultural establishment in North Texas, offering gardening and plant education, concierge services, DYI classes, gifts, and more. Check them out at nhg.com. And our other sponsor is Lynn Dental Care, practicing dentistry for over 38 years with a holistic approach, looking at the whole body and non-mercury. Specializing in periodontics, Dr. Lynn is board certified by the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Check them out at lindentalcare.com. Thank you, sponsors. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. To today's show on cities, built environment, and infrastructure. And today we are digging way deep into the indoor environment, how it gets that way, and how it affects your health and well being. And we are with three people who are really making us smarter. That is Allison Mears with the Healthy Materials Lab at Parsons School of Design, and Drs. Stephanie McCarter and Michael Byersmith with Deeper Healing. And they both are specializing in uh, internal medicine and environmental medicine. And again, thank you all. You really are making us smarter. So, Michael, though, before we went to the break, you were responding and something like we said, I think people tend to get a little lazy and look to the government to protect us from certain things. And the fact of the matter, which both everybody said today, is that we're not being protected from a lot of the materials that we are that that are just all around us every day plastics there is a great awareness of plastics but these things like what your countertops are made of what your floors are are made of furniture all of these things are putting contaminants into our environment and and there's no protection against them so let me start this section with you uh stephanie and michael again how can people with allergies and sensitivities to certain types of pollutants, protect themselves from exposure, and then talk to us about, I guess, degrees of exposure. Does it matter if you're exposed just a little bit or if it's prolonged? There's um, Dr. Walter Crinion, who's, who was another, was another leader in environmental medicine, always talked about his holy triad, cleaned air filter, good HEPA filter, and clean out your air ducts. But, you know, if you really, I think it's, it's prudent to do those three things However, the, the big thing I think is creating a safe place that you can spend some time every day in your home, and that is the bedroom. I mean, we spend most of our time uh, in the bedroom. So, Stephanie, how would you protect the bedroom? Right. So what we tend to do is we tend to clutter the bedroom with lots of things and stuffed animals and things like that. So the less cluttered, the better. Um, that's where your body's trying to regain function and, and transform all these products and things we're exposed to in the everyday world. It's so the cleaner, the better. An air filter in the bedroom, a good HEPA filter makes a huge difference. I caution the listeners about things that ionize or make, because those ionizing photocatalytic filters that are coming out, you have to be very careful because they do sometimes produce ozone, and ozone is something you don't really want to breathe. Um, but those, you know, and then having a good mattress, like Dr. B just said, don't get one of those foam mattresses. It's like sleeping on a gas station. <laughs> so you want to get your, your safe products. You want to get some organic Preferably organic cotton, latex mattresses. Some people are sensitive to latex, but 
There's lots of companies out there now making these safe products. There's a couple websites I just want to mention. There's the um, greenbuilding.com and the Green Design Center. There's a lot of one of the good things about the internet today is that we do have more apps and information sites that people can go to to get advice and help. And Allison may want to add a couple as well. If you're if you're thinking about renovation at all, check out our website. Um, we have a list of uh, products that we've vetted for chemical content, and um, and it's some categories that are also in the affordable spectrum of price range, which is incredibly important for us. So we have all of those common product categories. What, what is that website, Allison? Yeah, healthymaterialslab.org. Healthymaterialslab.org. Okay. Yep. Let me go back to Stephanie and Michael. Talk to us about exposure time or term and what difference does that have? Well, if you're sensitive, any exposure can put you right over the edge and, and, and crash you. Um, so it, it depends so much on, uh, on your exposures. Uh, both at home and in the workplace, as, as well as your body's ability to dump it, and what you can do to assist your body in getting rid of your total body burn. It is all about avoidance. I mean, it's important to avoid the stuff that, you, that you're sensitive to. Um, so that's, we're talking clean air, clean food, clean water, as, as Allison was mentioning earlier. But you also need to support your body and its ability to get rid of things. And probably the singularly best thing for most of your indoor toxins is sauna. Yeah, I was very excited when someone told me that a couple of, probably the show year before last, and it may have been you, Stephanie, because that's what I'm asking, what can we do? And the point you made was to support our body's ability or assist our body's ability to rid ourselves of these toxins that are all around us, because to some degree, we probably can't get rid of, uh, get away from all of them, or to support our body is sauna. And I think the point you're making is we need something that's drawing the toxins out of our body. Is that correct? Yeah. And when you're in a sauna, you also want to take a towel in with you. So you're wiping your sweat off and you take a cool shower immediately thereafter. So you, you wash this stuff off of you and you don't reabsorb it. Okay. I mean, one of the ways it gets, got into you to begin with was through your skin. So you don't want all this stuff you just took so much effort to get rid of to going back in. Indeed. And so for those who may not have uh, access to a sauna, like working out, running outside, but the, I think the point is to sweat. Because when you sweat... Sweating is your friend. Sweating is your friend. So in Dallas, I see a lot of people running, a lot of people running around in Dallas doing their exercise in the middle of traffic. And so that's something to really caution your listeners. You might want to do more of your exercise indoors because unfortunately our cities are becoming so polluted. And that particulate matter, that 2.5 microns, goes past the lungs. It does not filter. So it goes into the blood vessels. And that's where we're starting to see you know, a lot of cardiovascular problems and vascular inflammation. So check, there's a, Bloom is an app you can get on your phone to look at air quality uh, real time in your area. If it's showing, it actually has a little person jogging and a bicycle person and gives you a color code, like it's not good today. So you want to exercise indoors. And I have a lot of patients still exercising in their home with their filter on. So it's another good point to make. And then mold, you definitely don't want to stay in mold in your house. That can be very detrimental um, and that time period is, is crucial. But I also want to caution a lot of people will say, oh, I'm going to go out of my mold to a, a brand new home because I'm getting sick from the mold. Well, those mechanisms, those enzyme mechanisms that we talked about earlier are already probably damaged. So you're going into a brand new home with brand new paint and all of these chemicals. So that load goes up even more. So I just caution your listeners if you're thinking, oh, I'm in a moldy house, um, be very careful. Don't take a lot of your stuff with you. 
um, just be very cautionary about that next step and consult with some of the doctors like ourselves. Based upon what you all just said, it sounds like a good, healthy thing to do, but also a fun thing to do is to exercise out in nature. You know, away from the well, cars yeah, and, there, and the ozone pollution. Yeah, the exactly. with- Actually, there was, there was a study done in Great Britain that looked at people with COPD, chronic obstructive lung disease. They exercised them. They exercised one group in the city and one group in the in the country, and then they switched groups. And the, when you exercise in the city, your pulmonary functions got worse. When you exercise in the country, it got better. So it's, exercise is good, but clean air is important. Right. There's one message I would I would just absolutely hope people get is. Don't leave this program going, oh, my God, I'm doomed. <laughs> you know, I've got Teflon, for, I got Teflon cookware and plastic bottles. And pick one thing at a time that you can do today, like get rid of the Teflon pants or quit drinking out of plastic water bottles or even the plastic jugs that are the five-gallon, you know, five-gallon ones from the, from the store. You know, get a good water filter. So they, they can be anywhere from 100 bucks to uh, a few thousand dollars, depending on whether it's whole house or not. There are little steps that you can make. Uh, that will make it. That can make a vast difference in your exposure, uh, and it doesn't have to be done all at once. But you need to take steps to protect yourself. Indeed, indeed. And I think it starts with education and information, so that people knows. My mom always told me growing up, when people know better, they do better. So certainly, I want to go back to Allison really quickly because we only have a few minutes to go. Uh, and Allison, where can you talk to us about briefly about where the intersection of indoor air quality? And exposure uh, to electromagnetic radiation in indoor environments. And what role do building materials uh, play? I should probably, I know that Stephanie is an electromagnetic (laughs) radiation expert here. So I I, I should probably better address that question to her. Okay, so we know that the electrosmog, which is in a whole other field, pollution is growing rapidly, and with the onset of 4G, 5G, we have much more information now about oxidative stress on the body. Well, that is also what pollutants do, you know, your air pollutants and your indoor air, outdoor air materials, so now we're increasing that load even more. So that's a whole other show, Bernice, that we need to do on electrosmog, but what I would tell patients right now, or I mean people in general, is, you know, turn your router off at night. Uh, put your cell phone on airplane mode as much as possible. And keep it away from your bed if you can, if you can just get yourself a regular battery-operated alarm clock. Because as I said earlier, your sleep is where your body's transforming and trying to heal. And the more you keep that stuff out of the bedroom as well, just like I was talking about the, the other materials, the electromagnetics is the same. And so we are seeing a big difference in that, especially in people who are following the steps. You know, um, the blue light on the phone, make sure you put your blue light unfiltered you know, night shift mode and. You know, this is the importance of the pineal gland. The pineal gland is making melatonin to help you sleep, but also it's a highly antioxidant hormone. So important for people to start taking those small steps as well. Indeed. And we just have one minute to, to go, and, and I'll ask uh, Stephanie and Michael. Are there any new or emerging uh, health-related impacts and trends that you all are seeing from environmental pollution that we have, may not have touched well, upon? Well, there was a study just came out of, the uh, increased areas of the particulate matter, the, the cities with higher levels, we are seeing more people getting the long COVID uh, incidents, especially those who have pre-existing asthma, and they're having a harder time recovering than, as opposed to people who are in the lower, you know, pollution level. 
Indeed. Very good information. I want to kind of bring it back out. And again, that is that the particulate matter is impacting COVID, long COVID more so. And you're beginning to finally see that. I imagine we've not seen all that we're going to see from COVID. You know, as we get more in the away from it, then we begin to learn a lot more from the research and what have you. Thank you all so very much. We have been with Allison Mears with the Healthy Materials Laboratory of the Parsons School of Design and with Drs. Stephanie McCarter and Michael Barsmith with Deeper Healing in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. And you guys have made us really smarter in just this little time. What you've really done is made us realize we need a lot more information. So thank you all so very much for making time from your busy schedule to come and talk with us. And uh, Stephanie, I know, is is a frequent uh, guest, and now you all see why. But we'll have both all of you all on again, possibly in our, we do a whole month on plastics. So we want to talk to you more then. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for listening in today to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. The conversation starts here. But our goal is for it to continue in your home, in your social circles, your workplaces, at the water cooler, and in the grocery checkout line, so that we can all work together to realize that healthy living is simply not possible without a healthy planet. Our culture is a result of a trillion tiny acts taken by billions of people every day like yourselves. And each of those tiny acts can seem insignificant, but all of them add up, one way or the other, to the change that we each live through. This is your host, Bernice Butler. Thank you for listening in today. And join us again next week for more on cities, built environment, and infrastructure. And listen to any of our past shows on podcast wherever you get yours. Thank you.